Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. Welcome to Trinity Radio. (laughs) I'm Braxton Hunter, and today, along with me, as always, is Jonathan Bridget. Wait. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah, a little bit of motivational speaking before the show, I guess. Hey, man. Uh, I just wanted to get you hyped. Don't let your dreams become or just be dreams. So how does that work? So sometimes the 50s era Godzilla starts mm-hmm. chasing after me in my dreams. Mm-hmm. Better That's a dream and not a nightmare? Yes, yeah, I win. So it's a dream. Uh, but Because of resistance bands. That's right. So, you know, but that's one's best left as a dream. So I'm going to let that dream be a dream. Uh, Rich O'Cat says, I feel like I need that every day. <laughs> I guess the motivational speech. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, and this is interesting. I did throw this up here a second ago, but Kevin, who is one of our uh, friendly atheists on here, who's very friendly with us, says, hey, everyone, Shia. Now, here we are. Shia? Shia? LaBeouf? LaBeouf? LaBeoufe? We could have, we could have, we, we could have figured this out. There is a video of me. Several years ago, before we were like buddies, when I referred to Leighton Flowers as Leighton, it's on Trinity Radio's yeah. YouTube channel. He got over it. So if we get it wrong, I am sure she people will be cool about uh, it. We'll get over it. So okay. Well, sometimes we might. Add, I, I I don't know that I would have ever done this, but you certainly would have. I would have never referred to someone as um, Cedar Creek, and then. Um, um, I don't know what I said, like Cedar Creek, Granite Creek, and then Pineapple. I would have never referred to someone with the wrong name like that intentionally, but you might have in the past just to get some humor out of saying someone's name wrong or the name of an organization wrong. But today we want to be clear, we're not doing that. No. We literally don't know. My example was actually an honest mistake. Lighten. I thought thought it was light and flowers. Okay, so uh, Shia, let's go with Shia LaBeouf. Who I understand, according to my daughter last night, I th- I think we understand has been confirmed now for the new Indiana Jones movie. Oh, he is. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm going secondhand here. Well, but yeah, that makes sense because you can't just have this thing in the fourth one and then <laughs> not refer to nobody it. cares. But also Sean Connery, so figure that out. Oh, I hope they don't do the. We're gonna have CG Sean Connery, deep fake Sean Connery. Great. It's actually going to be. Albert Elliott standing behind there. We'll put Sean Connery's face. He he could pull it off. Okay, let's get to this. So Shia LaBeouf, if if that is your name, 
sir. <laughs> and if you ever see this, which I highly doubt, but is possible, it's not impossible. There's a possible world where you see this. Just want you to know that we um, would love to know that you saw this or um, hear your thoughts. And, and come on the program. Perhaps so, talk yeah. with us privately or publicly. Yeah. We would be happy to discuss any of this with you. And it also should be said toward the beginning that uh, let's just go ahead and do the Catholicism uh, caveats here. Okay. It'll I have again. none. You give your. You. Uh, okay. Yeah. We are not Catholics. No, but ca I think Catholics are Christians, and I don't care that they're wrong about a lot of stuff. But there are very serious differences between uh, Catholics and Protestants that need to be discussed, and we have actually done in, in times past uh, episodes devoted to some of those things. So, um, you know, there's. I'll say it like I, like I've said to some other people recently. It's like um, when someone goes, if someone goes from atheism to uh, Catholicism, then where I'm at is I, I celebrate this move to the acceptance of the Christian message, but I celebrate with caution. And the reason I say I celebrate with caution, and I know that's going to set you off and set a bunch of other people off, is because I am not convinced that the issues here are not more important than we wait, sometimes wait, 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 talk. Wait a minute, I don't. I I didn't say that they weren't important issues. No, I know you think they're important. I, they I, are I, important I, issues. I didn't mean to convey what that. What I'm what I what I don't think is that they are kingdom excluding issues. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Or fellowship excluding. But the point is, here is a guy who, I, and I said atheist uh, on the original thumbnail. That was a, I shouldn't have said atheist. I should have said agnostic. I've changed it, even though many of the people who do label themselves as atheists, we think more adequately fit in agnosticism. Yes. But in any case, uh, I want to be clear about that. He does say in the video uh, interview that we're going to play a clip from in a moment that he, uh, we're not going to play this clip, but he does say in the video that's linked in the description that he never was a total atheist. He was at best or at worst agnostic. How do you want to say that? Agnostic. Okay. So, uh, but let's, uh, let's talk about what, why we're talking yeah, about I this. Yeah, I mean, I do have my condition for being Catholic. That you get to be Pope. Yeah. And, and the first I act will be to absolve the Pope. No, that would be the second act. The first act would be to clean out all the things I disagree with and then eliminate the papacy. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I might, I might drag that out a little bit. I was distracted by this. Supposedly Sean Connery really hated by the way, my, Shia LaBeouf. My, uh, my Halloween costume is the Pope costume this year. Not Shia LaBeouf. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump into some, uh, some discussion here of this. And I say that without having it pulled up. Yeah. Now I remember a few years ago, people, he was doing a, uh, film with Brad mm. Pitt and some other people. Like, I think it was like a war movie. And people clipped out part of an interview or something where he said, I am a Christian man, mm. or I became a Christian man or something. And I think he was talking about the role, but a lot of people had thought that he had converted to Christianity, mm -hmm. um, which wasn't the case. Yeah. But this seems to be the case. So, yeah, so so the, the thing that we want to be clear about this, the sources for this, I'm going to read from an opinion piece from the Desert News, which is also linked in the description, but that's not really what you want to pay the most attention to. I'm just giving you where I'm quoting from, because this all cites back to two things that we're going to talk about. One is um, a discussion with Robert uh, Bishop Robert Barron mm -hmm. um, that we're going to play video from in just a moment, but also uh, uh, an article by The Hollywood Reporter. And so the text-based part of this is primarily going to be that. But this is from the article. Uh, he Here's basically what we understand to have happened. 
He's been, for anyone who is even lightly, because that's certainly me, lightly following pop culture stuff over the past few years or past 10 years, let's say, um, Shia LaBeouf has been in the midst of some situation. He's been kind of a wild card. Okay. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to think. He doesn't really know what to think. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, what, you know, what's he going to say next? What's he going to do yeah, next? It was kind of like that thing that Joaquin Phoenix did, just acting erratically and weird and stuff, but it all turned out to be for that, uh, the man who wasn't there or whatever that, uh, I he was know. like, he was like trying to promote that in a way yeah, or prepare like, for I that. I can't remember the name of the, of the documentary that, that followed all of this weird, crazy behavior. Yeah, I and turned then, it off in the middle of it, but I remember. Yeah. And then he became normal again and, and, and acted normally and went and yeah. bid movies like the Joker and stuff. But Shia LaBeouf actually has had some weird public behavior in the past here recently that has alienated friends and fans yes. and all of that. And, and according to him, hurt people. Yeah. Other than himself. And uh, what I want to say important about this is someone did already bring up in the chat, like the first chat comment here today on this video was something like, well, what about Britney Spears? I mean, you know, I didn't see any counter apologist atheists out there uh, cheering that Britney Spears has now become an atheist. And you guys covered that. And here we got Shia LaBeouf. Isn't that a uh, similar thing? Yes, it is a similar thing on the face of it. And that's relevant. But as I said, I gave Britney, I did the service to Britney Spears of formulating, I think, two arguments from evil for her so that I could steel man what she wasn't even saying, but might have been saying. Yeah. Because I want, because, because I, I think that just because someone's not philosophically minded doesn't mean we can't understand what they're trying to say. And so I think we can do that with her. We can do that with Shia LaBeouf here. And actually with Shia LaBeouf, I'm sorry, there just is a little more meat on these bones. He has actually been through an experience that he describes that has intellectual content in addition to the personal content that all ties together. So basically what, let's just talk about that now. What happened was, as I understand it, he's had that sort of a situation. And just a few years ago, um, and it may have been when Peanut Butter Falcon came out, uh, he ended up saying something, if not before, about that time that he was an agnostic or didn't believe or something like that. Okay. And that's kind of been the situation. And he describes himself, as we'll see, as being very antagonistic, particularly towards Catholics. And uh, so he was kind of like, and, and Robert Barron says this, he's it's like, you're kind of, it's like you're, it's like you're one of these atheists or agnostics, you know, railing against. And he's like, yeah. And I took some sort of um, enjoyment out of that, out of knocking it down. So, but then he's had some particularly hurtful dramas in his own life because of him or not because of him. And I think maybe he's saying there's a little bit of both. Okay. I'm just trying to be real uh, fair about that, but he does take responsibility. And what ends up happening is in the midst of all of this, when he is looking for some sort of higher power, he's been directed, I think I saw to, to look at waves and, and things like that and think about a higher power of some sort. And uh, maybe the wave is the higher power or something, you know, these, these kind of things. And in the midst of all of this, and maybe I have the timeline wrong. Okay. This is how I'm picking it up from the sources, but something, these facts are true, even if they're not exactly in the right order or something, I think I'm doing it service is he ends up getting pitched this role to play this Padre Pio. And I'm not even sure about that story. I look forward to finding out what's up with that. But in the midst of accepting this role, uh, purely to try to get back in the game, you know, try to get, try to become again what what he had been or whatever after some drama or things had happened. What ultimately ends up happening is uh, he 
I just I was distracted just now because a physics and theology nerd just said there is no fourth Indiana Jones movie. And that hurts. <laughs> that that was unnecessary. Yeah, you're you're a defender. You're You know, there are some of us out here in the Indiana Jones for affirming community. <laughs> and we face I thought this, it was all right. We face this sort of discrimination on at least a yearly basis. <laughs> because uh, every now and then there will be someone the only time it really comes up is if someone says I'd like to watch one of the Indiana Jones films dad and of course the answer to that is immediately yes um and so so then maybe there'll be some talk about oh but remember in Indiana Jones 4 and what happens in my household is because I happen to be married to someone who is an Indiana Jones 4 denier and uh she will come out of wherever she's at she could be showering. And if someone raises the crystal skull, she will come out from that place and come into the room and say, excuse me, what? There's no fourth Indiana Jones movie. And each time a part of me dies a little more. Each time you're, it's, it's, it's like I'm back in a temple of some sort of doom. <laughs> and I am bothered about this. And so I just wanted to clear off a spot here and say, I know what you'll say in the comments. There are haters. Do you think this channel is not used to haters in the comments? We can handle it. That's right. But just know that you're hurting. You're hurting me. Your your words, your your words are some almost we could say some sort of I won't say terrorism, uh, but they're harmful. Yeah. Here's what we can say. I, I will say this about the fourth movie. It is the worst Indiana Jones movie. But if you're the worst Indiana Jones movie, you're better than a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. That's true. In fact, uh, Kevin says here again, can we agree that Indiana Jones 4 is the fourth best Indiana Jones film, yes. though? Not necessarily. And oh, I'll come tell you on. What, no. I'm not even with you on this Okay, one. well, hold on to your fedora, pal, because I'm about to, you know, I've got my fedora. Oh, that's your Belloc hat. <laughs> my, the, yeah, I was watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, the movie that has my favorite, as you say, in, uh, archaeologist, adventurer. Yeah, Belloc. Yeah, Rene Belloc. <laughs> but, uh, but hold on now, hold on. This is all going. This is appropriate and in context because Shia LaBeouf was in a movie. Whether you like that that movie exists or not, you can't deny the existence of Indiana Jones Four forever. The facts are just heaping up. But uh, here's why. I was because entertained. The my mother's the first thing didn't bother me. It's my mother said, "My mother, my kid's mother." The other day, my wife said, "said uh, all the original three were amazing," and I said, "You speak the truth." But here's the problem. Verily, verily, I say unto you, before the Crystal Skull was released, the, there was a lot of shade thrown on the Temple of Doom prior to that time. Not for J me. Just as, well, pray, praise the Lord for that. But there was a lot shed on, on C-3PO and R2-D2 and the Ewoks prior to the prequels. But then Jar Jar Binks changed everything. So I'm just saying, I'm... Look, even that is, I agree, I think, but, you know, anyway. I, I appreciate everyone giving me the space to, you know, preachers say at the end of services, are all hearts and minds clear? Mm -hmm. so, so I think we got to that space. So let's move on. Um, what are we saying about Indiana Jones 4 that it's in the discussion right now? Well... I don't know. I think we should probably get back to the topic of the oh, show. Oh, because Shia was in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Shia. So let's get back to this. So so he anyway, likes the fourth Indiana Jones. Yeah. I, I didn't cringe at nuking the fringe 
bridge. I didn't cringe when you're swinging around with the monkeys. I just, it's entertaining. Yeah. Well, you have yeah. Well, anyway, I, I don't watch like movies like I used to. So yeah. if, if, if I'm entertained and I'm not bored, yeah, it's a win. Yeah. Well, it, people could make the complaint that people that, that has been made about, uh, the, in, the new uh, Lord of the Rings saga, which is that um, it's fine. And that is a heinous crime considering the source material. Right. But in any case, uh, yeah, Shia was in a I movie. Seen a single, I, I wait till those things are all released before I watch. You don't want to watch this all at once. I'll tell you. All right. Uh, so he ends up playing this move in this movie, the getting this Padre Pio or whatever role and so he ends up uh, uh the, the he's told you got to go spend all his time at the seminary and so that's kind of where things begin to happen but in the midst of all of that his mother died i, I say in the midst of all that this is where the chronology i'm not 100 percent, but his mother he says my mother was full of fear in her last moments asking she was uh he describes her as a hippie jew okay a Jewish person um, who was kind of a hippie about it. Like she, she's not, it's not, he didn't think she really knew God or, or she was really fascinated with religion. I think I'm getting all this right. And so this is what he says. My mother was full of fear in her last moments, asking the doctor what this tube was and what machine, what that machine did. She was frantic. She was deeply interested in God and spirituality her whole life, but she didn't know God. Hence her last moments. Her greatest gift to me was to promote in her dying the necessity of a relationship with God, not an interest, not just a belief, but a relationship built on proof as tangible as a hug. Her last gift to me was the ultimate persuasion for faith. Pritchett, how does that strike you? You know, we talk a lot about this show that it's not always, I mean, because of our interests and vocation and apologetics, we talk a lot about evidence and stuff, but mm -hmm. we have never neglected the fact that there are things like this that we would we could say are providential moments where there is something that sparks an awareness to move to something transcendental that brings you to a place of you know faith in god mm -hmm. uh, that that's not directly related to evidence and arguments and so i'm not surprised by this um, or is it once you continue the flow of your thought yeah i'm not surprised yeah. that this whether you say instead of or in addition to, mm -hmm. it's, it, either way, I don't discount this because I, I think that it, it's powerful too. And I think atheists agree with that because they think that people misinterpret these types of experiences, mm -hmm. right? But you can't deny their power. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that he has correctly interpreted this as, as a move towards truth. Which so, is what people would yeah. think we would say, but... I, you know, the reason I say, or is it, is because you're absolutely right. If that was all we had, if that was the only experience he had, we could certainly talk about that. That's still meaningful. But is it evidential? I don't know that Sh that Shia LaBeouf has a knowledge of, uh, well, he, he says he's read Sam Harris, a lot of Sam Harris, and all those kind of things, and he argued with Catholics, but I, I don't know. But um, he does say something that's evidential here, and it was that it seemed too coincidental his playing this role. And part of what he says is he, Robert Barron says in a clip, we're not going to show, and that'll be the next thing we do here in just a second. But, um, he, he, he's asking him, are you a method actor? And I don't know much about all that sort of thing, but I bet you do. I think method acting is where they inhabit the character, both on and off camera. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they, okay, they that continue makes sense. to behave 
the way that the character would behave. So he took it as a compliment who they compared him to and the things that were said about method actors. But he said, I really don't like that term for it. He said, what I am is an immersive actor, which of course I guess hits at kind of the same idea. But the idea was, um, uh, that he ended up, um, I'm sorry. I got distracted by, again, by the comments that, that happens to be quite a bit here, but, um, yeah. What was I just explaining? He, uh, <laughs> oh, he's an immersive actor. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of thing, but he said, if you get immersed in this particular guy's life that he played, then you, you can't do that and not be changed because of the type of experiences that this guy had or whatever, which again, I don't know anything about much about that story or and I haven't seen that movie, but that's sort of what happened. And the coincidence of it all. And I think the timing of it all and all of that, he says it's too, it's, it's just too much to be a coincidence. So that's a kind of an evidential thing. Like the, what are the odds of this? What's the, you know, the Bayesian likelihood and all these kind of things. But let's jump into the, do you have anything to say before we jump into this? No. All right, let's uh, let's find it and do that then. And they so were feel kind of agnostic slash atheist at the time. Yes, I'd like to I'd like to argue because right. it made me feel like I was in power. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to be contrarian. Yeah. I like to sit with a bishop and then put you on your heels because that would make me feel powerful. Right. Uh, which I find most secular people enjoy the control of it. Yeah. Because so much of life is uncontrollable. To feel in control feels good. So uh, I was that guy come up with these arguments my mother had a spiritual i can pause this at any moment pritchett if you have thoughts we all want to hear your wise thoughts it was sort of undefined she was jewish right your mother? yeah but but like hippie jewish like yeah. uh, not like traditional jewish according to yeah. the testament my mother had never read the old testament okay. she was jewish in culture she liked the art she liked being a part of it she liked um uh the rabbis and the charisma, uh, but she 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 wasn't a, a practicing Jew yeah, okay. in that she wore to fill in and right. read the Old Testament. And I had never been given any of this information. Never been. I've been bar mitzvahed phonetically. Mm. I read the Hebrew phonetically, okay. so it felt like a show. Yeah. It felt like a hustle. You didn't know what you were saying. I didn't know what I was yeah. saying. Okay. And in that way, it it felt and it wasn't emotional. It felt like I was doing it for my grandmother, who at that time was on her last leg. And I was told I needed to get bar mitzvah for my grandmother. And you were like 13 at the time. At the 13. Age, yeah. And I and I read, I read it phonetically. And my grandmother's happy. And they put me on a chair. And that's my spirituality yeah, for a okay. long time. And it felt fake because I never invested. There was never any, I had never felt any real suffering in my life. So I didn't have any willingness to have any belief. So I had no faith. Um, okay. So that. Okay. Now, before he goes on, Pritchett, thoughts? Well, you know, I'm listening to that, and it's a good reminder that because a lot of people talk about cultural Christianity as if that's the only religion in the world that has just a cultural attachment, but not necessarily, uh, you know, a devotional type of mm -hmm. attachment to it. And of course, you do find that in Islam, and you do find that in Judaism, and you do find that in Hinduism. I mean, I had clients of mine. Uh, when I was a barber, that it was a Hindu family. Yes, uh, their last name was Patel, and yes, they owned hotels. And they uh, ate cheeseburgers and stuff, you know. But they also did other stuff for the sake of family. Sure. So Christianity is not the only religion that has, I mean, we see a lot more of it in the United States simply because it was a dominant faith for for the United States for a long period of time, mm -hmm. not so much these days. But, but Christianity is not the only religion that has this kind of cultural attachment without necessarily any sort of belief attachments to it. Right, so right. That's good to point out for people to know that 
you can't just bag on Christians and cultural Christianity when, of course, you see that in all faiths. Yeah, and particularly what we see here is you get a guy who um, we're going to find out didn't understand some of the basics about the person of Jesus, uh, at least what he was like. And so let's just continue now. So now you're up at San Lorenzo, and you're, you're giving the Gospel of Matthew. I'm reading, reading it for the first time. I read it for the first time, and things now. Start now, by the way, by the way, I just want to say here, you know, someone asked me once, you know, why why does this particular atheist talk this way about God? And it was a particular atheist that was really open handed and was open with the possibility that maybe God was, and maybe I, he this person had experienced God in, in the past and all that. And someone was asking, uh, wh why are they so interested in talking about God all the time? And in this case, I don't, I'm not saying that I think the atheist believes this, but I think God is pursuing, God has been pursuing them their whole lives. And I think that's often the case. Here we have a guy, I want you to see how far our king is willing to go to reach someone and bring them into the fold. And I realize that for some of you, you might say, well, I've been waiting for that and it hasn't happened for me. And that's kind of a different topic. We talk about that every other week, it seems like. And so I, that's fair. I don't want to be disrespectful to that. But but tabling that for a moment, looking at Shia LaBeouf, here was a guy who was, his personal life was in some sort of disarray, it sounds like, from what he says and from what we know from seeing it, you know, seeing what he said primarily. And and he had all of that. And he was at the, you know, but he was, he's a huge celebrity um, would you call him an A-lister? I guess he's an A-list celebrity. Yeah, he was yeah, for a time. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a top-shelf celebrity. He's got everything on paper you would expect a person would want. And he even says, I've never experienced any, any. I hadn't experienced real, I, I think, am I saying this wrong? Didn't he say, I haven't, I hadn't experienced personal sorrow to the level yet. Um, and I think uh, uh, he says that that played something into it. I think interestingly about another couple of people that we're going to talk about who are also somewhat celebrities that I'm going to cover at the beginning of next week who are not Christians, but used to claim to be Christians and who have a, a situation where it seems clear to me that at least one of these individuals is being obviously pursued by God and they suspect it. And I, I just think here, let's just marvel for a moment at the glory of our King who went so far as to arrange through providence that this individual man would be in a play, be in a seminary around people explaining to him uh, these theological ideas. I mean, does that not, you don't look too blown away, Pritchett. Do you, are you not impressed with Jesus kind of showing off with his celebrity here? Yeah. I mean, insofar as I'm taking him at his word, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, we talked about this. Somebody brought it up in the comments. I guess he missed when I brought it up at the beginning that there was a similar report back when he was, I think they said the movie was Fury. Um, so you, you, you never know because of the role that he played there and some of the comments he made, but this seems uh, for the most part, I'm going to, I'm going to go with this as being, because that was like a, a more reported what he said in an interview that seems like, he did that for the world. But you know, there's another side to this. But uh, I, I always, here's the thing with, I always take these things, when you have people known for volatile behavior or whatever, you know, and and, and, and then they, they want to get that corrected. Um, you know, I'm, 
I, I want to believe it's genuine, so I'm going to until I have a reason. But I can always, if it wasn't, I, would I be surprised? No, I'd be like, well, okay. Yeah. Well, we've seen this before. But insofar as I, taking a genuine, yeah, it's it's interesting to, to see see this happen and see, because I do believe that God pursues people. And, and so, yeah, in that sense, yes. But if it turns out, you know, a year from now that, that he's, shilling for a that won't surprise me either because one thing that we have to be mindful of we said this well i have to jump in somewhere so i'll jump in here we uh we said this with kanye too yeah and we've said it with others in the past i think who are celebrities who embrace christianity i know we said it with kanye which is we we are I, you know, the reaction should be, well, praise the Lord. This is, that's yeah, wonderful. Excited, but cautious. Yeah, but, but, but. That seems to have and cautious, more or less stuck and, with him, though. And I mean, you know. cautious so. in the sense that, obviously, yeah, we don't want to say, um, this is now a hero of the faith or something, and they walk away a year later because it's a new album and it's a new cycle and it's a new whatever. But, um, so that's certainly true. But celebrating, I don't want to back off of celebrating when someone accepts Christ. Yeah, no, I don't either. But I, but then again, I, at the same time, the realistic person, well, if this doesn't That's hold, true. We need to call I, that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, but, but one of the things is, how much does Christianity make of these kind of things? Because Eminem did a song with Kanye here recently and mentions Jesus. And evangelicals just go nuts like, oh, my goodness, he must be a Christian. And all of a sudden, yay, hooray, hooray. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, Eminem. Yeah, and, and it's like maybe <laughs> one of the things that bothers me Love is anytime like some some celebrity does anything, you mm -hmm. know, that has. I mean, a lot of people say the word Jesus doesn't necessarily mean they're Christian, right? Right, right. Which is Jesus' song, but I guess because of the context with Kanye, so so I'm always amused in a sense, and I know it sounds tacky, but the the typical Christian reaction when anyone. Uh, with some sort of level of celebrity, even you know, makes an inch towards Christianity, or you know, it's kind of like um, that rapper. It's kind of like in politics when when someone like Cardi B says something that that the people on the right like, all of a sudden it's yay, one of ours, one you know, and I'm just like, come on. Cardi B is one of theirs. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, or one of them said something about vaccines and said something about inflation or whatever, and and it's all of a sudden. Hold, hold on, hold on. We got it. We got to stop. We somewhere. have a new champion for for our cause, and, and we got to like, say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Look, first of all, let's not do um, that. My friend, who I'm honored to say is my friend, uh, Cameron Bertuzzi, is in the chat, trying to make sure we all know that this was Catholicism not some other kind of Christianity. And uh, we we did cover that, Cameron. We sure did. And I want to say, Eddie Vasquez, thank you for that $5 super chat. Praise Thanks, the Lord. Yes, praise yes. the Lord. Yes, amen. Um, and I also wanted to say that Stephen Wayne Jones wants everyone to know, Pritchett's light is nine times brighter than Braxton's, FYI. Now, here's a difference, I think, between how I operate and how Cameron would operate. I said this to Pritchett, did I not, just before we started? Did, did I not say to you, you're too bright, I'm going to turn you down? And what did you say in response? You you could never... I, I, you don't know what you said, do you? I don't remember, but what do you I, think I could you never would say? be too bright. Nine times out of ten, what are you probably saying if the, if the concept or if the discussion is on you? Something egotistical and yeah that, that's what happened you said i need to be that bright i'm beautiful right look at me and and so um 
Cameron wouldn't have um, Cameron would not have have uh, done it like this. Would and you, don't Cameron? mistake that for what he would have done was he would have said, "Folks, I really am that arrogant." He would have said, "No, you can't, you can't do that. You you will have your light turned down because this is capturing Christianity, daggummit. But I believe in um, your freedom to have uh, actually. What I think autonomy. I said was. Who cares? Light autonomy. Start the, I think I just said who cares. All right, let's, let's get back to this. So let's play this some more of this clip and talk yeah. more about it. Like right. like, this, like, like John the Baptist. Yeah. Okay. Like John, the story of John the Baptist, uh, being being a reformed hedonist, being this man who was wearing like this this who was sort of like you know scraggly and like kind of felt like a, a old Western character from some kind of like uh, like um, I don't know like he felt like like um, uh, he felt like a cowboy. Eating locust and we're yeah yeah he skin. felt he felt like kind of rustic and right. strong and masculine and yeah. my opinion of Christ at this point felt almost like I was reading about a Buddhist like this very soft fragile all loving all listening but no ferocity no romance then you hadn't read the gospel I hadn't read the gospel at that point <laughs> I just had these this art that I had yeah, seen of right. like this very soft more feminized yeah Jesus. yes and so I hadn't had this idea of like a the Old Testament, Christ on a horse, cape dipped in blood, sword. I had no, uh, none of that was in my lexicon of knowledge. So all I knew about was this very soft, meek Jesus, which didn't fit into my idea of what, uh, like my, what masculinity would be. I come from like a, my dad was a Mongol biker, you know, it's like we, uh, it, it wasn't appealing to me. And then I read about John the Baptist and it became quite appealing. His, the <laughs> Let, let's just stop there and appreciate this moment. We have a top shelf A-lister in Hollywood here saying, you want to know one of the reasons I wasn't a Christian? Is, Ted Neely Jesus, right? From It's this. The, the, uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, long-haired hippie walking around talking about nothing but peace and love. Man, if you give any other impression and Christians will get angry with you. Well, they I, shouldn't. I, I, I made an offhand joke in our forum the other day. Uh, you know, I didn't even mention the turning of tables. It was like, yeah, Jesus kind of walked around insulting people a lot. Yeah. And, and man, everyone just got upset. But he did. I mean, he did condescend to people. He did talk about them. He did use names. You know, he, he, he did all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it'll bug people if you, if you talk about Be it. Be annoyed if you want to people at more reserved congregations. But there's a guy from Nashville, Tennessee here telling you that if you're standing on this hillside and there's 5,000 people and you want to say something with clarity to all of them, you are a loudmouth, leather-lunged, red-faced evangelist. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I just I just think that, that, that the one-dimensional Jesus mm -hmm. is something that needs to go away. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that you need to just go so far, overreact, overcompensate in the other direction, and it's like action figure Mark Driscoll Jesus, right? Without all the others. But no, it is true. They're, without they're, the meekness, listen, and the mildness. And the you go into right. Cornerstone. I, I hope this doesn't offend any of my former congregants. Cornerstone Baptist Church, where I used to pastor. You go in there, and at the time I became the pastor, that is a wonderful congregation. They and they always have been, and they've always had very strong men and women in that church. Mm -hmm. But it is the case that there has been a strong, um, <laughs> there, there's always been a strong uh, feminine accoutrement 
in churches these days for the past several decades. And I don't blame it because you know why that emerged? Because some of these dudes were just not involved, right? And the women were doing everything. So they do what they think looks nice. And guess what? It does look nice. But the church that I pastored, the carpet was pink. The walls, I swear, were some shade of pink. Like Pepto-Bismol all over the church? Just... Not like that, but a few shades darker. We're not, I mean, we're in Pepto-Bismol territory, okay? <laughs> and uh, Pepto-adjacent, right? All the pictures on the walls are flower bouquets and all this. And if you do see Jesus, yes, he looks a little effeminate. Even though, even though... If you asked them, was Jesus effeminate? No one in that church would say yes. Right. But that's what he looks like because that's right. what the Christian bookstore sells. Right. And that's the one that looked the best. I'm not blaming the people at that church. <laughs> Listen, Cornerstone, I love you all. I'm just saying this is in general. And guess what? I'm not the first to say it. You remember that old book, uh, Wild at Heart? What was that guy's name? He wrote the... It, um, uh, Eldridge, John Eldridge. I don't know anything. If he's a heretic or something, I don't know. Okay. I just know he wrote this book about how, look, you can call it what you want. You can say whatever you want. But in general, boys, when they go outside, every pine cone is a hand grenade. Every log is a bazooka. And th- there's just a way that, that boys think. And he kind of wrapped it all up and talked about how church today had gotten to the place where it was considered a feminine practice or more feminine than masculine, right? And we want to be clear that God, the Father, is spirit, right? And men and women both have the image of God and reflect qualities about God and who he is and all that sort of thing. And am I a heretic yet? I'm saying true things, right? Yes. So in church, we want a feminine perspective. I'm not saying we don't. Of course we do. And it gets, I think it's bad news when we don't have a feminine perspective in in church, even if it's complementarian church. Who, who I'm not talking about that issue. I just mean in general. But there's been so little men that there has been that, that these churches have become somewhat even conservative, very conservative theologically and politically, have become somewhat feminized. And here we have this guy saying, um, I need to know that the king I was going to bend the knee to uh, had some masculine qualities. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I just kept thinking about is our corporate overlords at the uh, World Economic Forum. If they wanted to sell Americans on eating bugs, like to evangelical culture, you could say you could just hold up a poster of John the Baptist as as rugged and manly as possible. Say he did it. Be like John the Baptist. Be like John the Baptist. I don't know about the reformed hedonist. Is that a? I don't know anything about that. I just know that what he was trying to convey, Barron seemed to understand, was he's a rugged, like kind of like a cowboy. He was eating eating locusts and all that. All right, let's let's jump in and get. Oh, by the way, did you see what uh, Cameron said, Jonathan? I just saw it where it's talking about how I, my my side of the uh, thing has surpassed. Uh, you you know what you have to say there. You, you know I, you wouldn't say anything like. I mean, you could say to the glory of God. But you need to say, and God used the efforts of Braxton because one hundred percent of what uses means one hundred percent of what stands behind you is the means of Braxton. Is the work of <laughs> is the work of, uh, uh, and it's not your new office. Seminary president. This is Braxton not your new Lane. office either, is it? No, actually, my son is wrong. This, I do have a new office, which is way better than your office. So much so that when I'm not at work, folks, listen to me. Braxton and Andy go sit in my office <laughs> for the aesthetics. Well, and to drink coffee. And to drink coffee at my ta- at my office when I'm not around. It's yeah. like now the the it's, they don't go to the break room. They Listen, don't sit man, there's very few perks 
to being the president of a seminary, one of the perks is go where I want. No, I understand that. And if you and Andy would avail yourselves of some of the exercise equipment in my office. Instead of okay. Yeah. Whatever, okay. That hey, would... you can talk to Andy about that. I, you're looking at a new man. In progress. Well, you haven't okay. arrived yet. That have you? Yeah. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. All I, right, let's I've, keep trucking. Yeah, I've, with I've come to grips with the fact that I probably am at or near my genetic limit for building muscles. So now I'm just you're, you're, on you're maintaining it and, and and increasing my strength because I want to I want to do at least one or two cool calisthenics. You're a thing to to skills. behold. You're really you're just a thing of beauty. It's amazing. What God has it's done. It's amazing. What's amazing about it is that through this, the means of bands. This is real. No, this is well. No, not just bands. I, you don't watch my channel at all. But no, anyway, what's amazing though is that you can look better in your mid forties than you did in your late thirties. Oh, I plan to. That 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 should. It won't be so hard. So for either. all these guys out there worried about getting older. <laughs> no, I would rather be me now at forty five than than what I look like at like thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah. No question. Yeah, someone says, oh, Lord, please not Driscoll, Jesus, lol. That's Mr. Green. No, that's what you have if you have no femininity and all masculinity, I guess. We're talking no, it's about... When you, it's when you always have this one-dimensional Jesus, regardless of yeah, what that one dimension is. True. You just dump on that and hype that up the whole time. And it's like, that. nobody's like that. You're Why right. think Jesus is one-dimensional when no one is one-dimensional? Well, Not even true. me. No, you're definitely not. You are a diamond-shaped, multi-orbed, non-flattened, twenty-seven million-sided, infinite-sided yeah. <laughs> person. Anyway, um, okay, like let's continue with the Baron LaBeouf show. Grizzle. Yeah, right. And then you get further into the gospel, and you start getting into like elements of this like redemptive. It felt like I started reading about a route. I started like reading a map. Like yeah. towards something that felt like um, let go. That's really what I got out of the Gospels. If I could wrap it up in two words, it was let go. And at that let time when go. I was reading it, I was holding on so tight to a life that I was slipping away through my hands, to uh, 35 years of management, that the Gospel gave me this, um, this invite to just let go. What never was appealing to me about Buddhism was this idea like, if I'm in a boat and the boat is sinking and I don't know how to swim, Buddhism is a book that tells you and uh, read this and learn how to swim better. And at the time of my life- By the way, I reject that, but I don't want to break up the flow of what he's saying. I didn't want to swim anymore. I had a gun on the table. I was out of here. Uh, I didn't want to be alive anymore when all of this happened, okay? Uh, shame like I had never experienced before. Kind of shame, you forget how to breathe. You don't Pause for a minute. This is weighty. And so I really did consider before we ever started the show whether I should pause at this moment. But I want people to hear his thoughts and hear them differently than, like, I was just listening, I'll just say it, I was just listening to Rhett and Link. I didn't know that they had done a two years out sort of where we are with our deconversion. Mm -hmm. and um, I'm listening to them talk about shame and it's a completely different thing than Shia LaBeouf talking about shame. They're talking about, sh and, and, and I think they're very thoughtful guys in general. Mm -hmm. And we have Shia LaBeouf describing himself as being a certain kind of bag. 
<laughs> in general. Okay. So uh, at times he's described. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not, this is not to dish on them, but they're talking about shame as in, in a negative sense. Well, there is, but sh is shame intrinsically a bad thing? I mean, it's a bad thing that it no, has to two exist. Sides to shame. Is it bad to shame that... someone always or to be ashamed? If you're experiencing yeah. being ashamed and we want to be careful about mental health, that's true. There are some people that get obsessive about this. But in general, is shame a bad thing to experience? No. And in fact, in shame cultures, there's two sides of shame, right? So which the Bible shame was. Is when you, yeah. So you can you, you can shame somebody, right? Mm hmm. And that has negative social consequences to it. And shame is something that reinforces the standards of the in-group. So shame has a positive function. And that when you have people who are shameless, as in they have no shame, regardless of their behaviors, that's a net negative. That's a bad thing for any culture, regardless of whether it's a guilt when culture. When there's no shame. Or a, or a honor shame culture. Yeah, when there's no shame at all. And in fact... If you stop paying... If, if you leave your family, never speak to them again, or say, hey, I'm going to send you all some money every now and then yeah. to pay certain bills. I shouldn't have to pay all the bills. Uh, you, Misty, need, you just need to get a job. And, and the, the, I'm not... I, look, you're your own person now. Should you feel shamed? Yes. Yeah, and then if you stop paying, and money, you should be shamed by people who know, who 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 also agree that you should mm -hmm. feel shame. Are there are there things do you think that even those who all would describe themselves as our enemies think other people should be ashamed of? Yeah, everyone thinks other people should be ashamed right. of some things. So let's quit with all this nonsense about shame in general is intrinsically yeah. not something you feeling should feeling shame or shaming feel. people for things. Yeah, that's that's a those are both good things. And in fact, I, I just want to point out that um, all this stuff about I feel guilty. No one who cares. God, I don't only think cares that you feel guilty because guilty feeling guilty is self-serving. Right. Because you can feel guilty for doing something and then you can reinforce your own sense of worth by saying, because I feel guilty, I am a good person, mm -hmm. even though I'm going to keep doing this horrible thing that makes me like men who struggle with porn. Mm -hmm. They'll 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 watch porn. They'll feel guilty about it. They'll think that they're well, I must be OK because at least I feel bad mm -hmm. and then they'll keep on doing it. But when you're shamed, when you feel shame. And you know you got to get this out of your life, or you are publicly shamed for something. Mm -hmm. It does change. That's why people say, "Oh, well, he got caught." That's that's the only explanation for his change. Uh, no, because he probably experienced a, a heaps of heaps of shame. Horrific shame. And the only way you could ever come back from that is to find uh, the place of repentance, be observed, like in the church context, be observed the fruits of that repentance. And be restored through that process because you have to go experience that shame and humiliation to know that the only way back from that is to change because it was that awful. And that recognition, I think, is a good thing, not a bad thing or something that we should just assume is a scam. So, well, because was... you can do something horrible like David did and then feel a sense of shame. Yeah. Like David did. Yeah. I mean, look, that happens. The, the thing about it is, um, Shame is, is good first of all, that was the most beautiful rant you just gave. I'm going to clip that out. But secondly, I, I just I, don't you all agree? Wasn't that? But I saw other people saying preach and all that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, shame is obviously a good thing. And people that try to tell you you shouldn't shame. Now, it may be that somebody else's kid, for example, 
that is acting up and the parent is addressing it, it's not my place to go over there and get involved and try to make the kid feel ashamed, right? But if the parent looks at me and says, uh, would you have acted like that when you were a kid? I would say, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, that's a, but it's not my, the point is, it's not that you should always be shaming. That's not the point. No. It's just that when shame naturally occurs, or if someone says a friend, let's say, this is, by the way, how you know you've got, here we go. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The other day, yesterday, two days ago. No, it was two days ago. I'm in my office right now. This is literally my desk right now. If you come to Trinity and see me in a different office, that's a fake office. So you feel more comfortable. Or he's borrowing mine so he can. Oh, yeah, or that. <laughs> but uh, but Pritchett comes up to my door. And he never does that. He's always much still aggressive, but not like that. And I say, come in. He storms in, looks at me straight in the eyes, and tells me about a thing that I'm supposed to be doing that I am lazy about that I've got to resolve, barks at me, no trying to make me feel okay about it at all. And technically, I'm his boss. <laughs> and he left. He said, well, what did you say? Literally nothing except, okay. And if I thought it was appropriate, I would have said, yes, sir. <laughs> I, I sat here and later told him that was very effective. And I need someone to, I need you to do that for me more often. Now that is a voluntary, that is, well, the first time it wasn't voluntary, but as me voluntarily entering into this with you. Yeah. But what I told him, and he can confirm this, you'll see, you're looking at his face right now. He's not a very good liar. You can see it. Yeah. Um, I told him, I said, Pritchett, I said, I needed that. And part of the reason that was a good thing is because... I felt shame. I felt bad. And I had literally nothing to say to defend myself at all. And it did work because you got to <laughs> turn it around. Yeah. Okay. Look, 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 look. In the previous episode, you told the story where you ripped me up once. So I'm glad that we finally they can see that even it does now. go both ways. Look here. Jed Phillips says, come on, windbag. Sheesh. Let's go. I want to see the interview. Let's no, you're here for it. us. <laughs> where to go you knock go that off if you just wanted to see the interview don't lie to me jed come on jed jed's one of our friends he, and students and student yeah. listen jed your if, grade <laughs> if you just wanted to see is that shia labeouf talk about this go watch indy four you, you could have just yeah you could have watched that or you could have clicked the link in the description yes let's continue <laughs> Well, you need to hit the little truck. Oh, I didn't do it? <laughs> no romance. Then you hadn't read the gospel. I hadn't read the gospel. At that point. <laughs> I just had these this art that I had yeah, seen of right. like this very soft. More feminized. Yeah, Jesus. yes. And so I hadn't had this idea of like a, the Old Testament, Christ on a horse, cape dipped in blood, sword. I had no, uh, none of that was in my lexicon of knowledge. So all I knew about was this very soft, meek Jesus, which didn't fit into my idea of what, uh, like my, what masculinity would be. I come from like a, my dad was a Mongol biker, you know, it's like we, uh, it, it wasn't appealing to me. And then I read about John the Baptist and it became quite appealing. His, the, the grizzle. Yeah, right. And then you get further into the gospel and you start getting into like elements of this like redemptive, it felt like I started reading about a route. I started like reading a map, like yeah. towards something that felt like um, let go. That's really what I got out of the Gospels. 
if I could wrap it up in two words, it was let go. And at that time when I was reading it, I was holding on so tight to a life that I was slipping away through my hands, to uh, 35 years of management, that the gospel gave me this, um, this invite to just let go. What never was appealing to me about Buddhism was this idea like, if I'm in a boat and the boat is sinking and I don't know how to swim, Buddhism is a book that tells you, and uh, read this and learn how to swim better. And at the time of my life, like, I didn't want to swim anymore. I had a gun on the table. I was out of here. Uh, I didn't want to be alive anymore when all of this happened, okay? Uh, shame like I had never experienced before. Kind of shame, you, you forget how to breathe. You don't know where to go. You can't go outside to get like a, a taco. Like, you don't want to go anywhere. And that's where you are when you're up there reading the gospel and, and thinking about the yes. plain tide repeal. You're yes. in that state. Yes. But I'm also in this, like, this deep desire to like hold on. Yeah. And so I read the gospel with this man, Jude, and I keep hearing like in many different variations of it, I'm not gonna explain the whole gospel here, nor do I need to, it's you. But I, I keep hearing let go. Mm -hmm. And to a person who's been gripping so tight for so long, it feels like, uh, uh, it just feels like, it's just, um, um, it just feels like the right move to let go, like complete surrender for real. And, um, and it stops being this like prep of a movie and it starts being something that feels beyond all that. And I stop sending videos. Like at a certain point with Jude, I just like really fall in. Okay, that's all I wanted us to see from that. But I think you see why I want to explain there's power in, in that. I mean, that's really that's really powerful. And and at some point you see there him talking about it's not is a coincidence here is kind of almost I mean, you know, I, I, I was immersed. I embodied a, I was, my job required me to embody a well-known Christian's life and think and act like he did for a while and go to seminary and learn all about Christianity. I mean, if you, if God ever had to grab someone by the collar, drag them down to the floor and say, I'm not going to make you believe, but, but here it is, you know, lead a horse to water and make him drink type thing. He can't make, he doesn't make him drink. He could. But he sure led him to a waterfall, in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I wanted you guys to see that. Now, um, there's a, the the whole let go thing, though. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of those things where you know when when you a lot of people they they want to surrender right completely, mm -hmm. um, and then you want to see how the discipleship goes to see if that's still there. One year, two years, five years, ten years, right? That's why it's important to be plugged into a church. But, you know, one of the things that I like, going back to the shame thing, see, a lot of people, when, when they convert to Christianity, especially when they've had a bunch of, maybe not to the extent that Shia LaBeouf has had in his life, but, but a lot of people, Christianity is like rehab for some people, right? It's like... A different way of rehab like mm -hmm. if you need to do better you can turn people turn to religion just like they may check into a rehab or something mm -hmm. and for celebrities i mean you know whenever someone has outrageous public behavior it's not too long after they're entering in a program because they're trying to they got a movie coming up and they want people to like them again so obviously it's go to rehab um but christianity or some other religion can function as that but one thing that i like about this is even Christians in, in our churches, they will preach a lot about you can, you know, once you've converted, you you'll have that weight lifted off, right? Mm -hmm. 
But that's not the that's not the best thing about Christianity. The, the the experience of forgiveness that you don't have to carry that burden. Well, it anymore. could be the best part about it is that shame is that weight on your shoulders and you recognizing it for what it is. Oh, yeah, okay. That is better for you than the experience of having it lifted off. In my opinion, I think well, it leads to the. I think that your repentance is for for your discipleship going forward is as important, if not more, for you to recognize how you know how obscene your sinfulness is. Well, as it is important to be to, to experience the forgiveness of God for that sin once you put your faith in Christ, because if you lose that, I think that that's a danger that that leads to people who have uh, less sanctification going on in their continued discipleship as a Christian. So I, I do want to emphasize that yes, you can have that that feeling of a weight being lifted off through the forgiveness. But until you recognize that weight for it is for what it is, I think that that's important too. That we don't need to downplay that for the okay. For let me let thing. me let me ask you this. Let's talk about this because this will help me get my head around it. Because, like I said, next week I think I'm going to talk about this Rhett and Link thing, um, the new the new one that they do. And they, you may recall from their previous stuff that that they're very different in how they approach all this. They come from similar backgrounds and everything. But Rhett is more about the evidential side of things and um, but he, he also has this love for meaning, this desire for meaning and believes that there's meaning out there, like beyond himself, like objective meaning. Okay. Which to me just immediately reduces, well, not immediately, but in a couple of steps reduces to theism, but, but, well, whatever the case may be, he's not saying he's an atheist, right? He's a hopeful agnostic, but link is very different. Link is admittedly, I think, less about the uh, the evidential stuff. I think he's concerned about that, but I think it's more about what you know. The like when he was a Christian, it was more about the relationship than it was all the reasons and the evidence and the theology, right? Um, and there's just people that are made up to think different. Well, when I'm looking at Link, Link is over here, and he's and he and and this is an interesting person because. The Gospel Coalition, not the Gospel, was it the Gospel Coalition? One of those, Gospel something, I think it was the Gospel Coalition, put together a book about deconversion or deconstruction, and the very, the, the, like the very first words of the book, like in the introduction or whatever, is about written link. Mm. And so they talk about this, and they, I, and link, at the end of the book, he's looking at the, there's an ad in the back of the book, you know, they'll, they'll add, you know, advertise their books from the publisher. And they're advertising some book on like taming the tongue, and uh, they make some jokes about that or whatever. But you know they're they're evangelical in their past; they know what this is. And Link is like saying how immediately what this does to him is that he has a problem that I think some Christians experience, where even though they were Calvinists, that th there is this: I'm not good enough. I'm not ever going to be good enough. Not that I'm a, like they had the whole original Augustinian understanding of original sin and all too. Right. So all the atheist stuff there that you know, they always say there, but I'm talking about like, um, like I know I'm saved, but in terms of being saved, it's like a, it's like a father that you can't ever please. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm never feeling good. Enough. And like he talked about like, and when they tell us to go reach people for Jesus, go do evangelism, they'll tell you like, now you need you really try to reach all these people, but but ultimately God God handles the um, response. God God brings the conversion or whatever. Yeah, God handles the results. I've heard that a million times. People say that to me, you know. And the idea is, look, you're supposed to do your part, 
but God will, God's the one who ultimately is in control of what happens. So, so don't, don't stress too much. Right. And for a Calvinist that really sings in a particular way Yeah. because some Calvinists and Rhett talks about this, I think it's like, well, okay. Cause I don't really have to feel too bad about that. Not that this is true. This is, this is how Rhett says maybe he thought about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean, you know, God's got to regenerate him, you know, that whole thing. But, but when we're talking about you need to be confronted with shame and you need to understand how wicked and sinful you are and all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. For people like you, maybe Pritchett, but what about people like Rhett or Link, Link, for example, who always feel like they're not good enough. They're always being beaten up. They're constantly doing a checklist in their head and constantly having to try to remind themselves that they're, that they're a worthwhile human being. You well, know. I think I think part part of the problem is again just a lack of balance in, in all of that. And what's what's I think that they're both fathers, right? They they both have ki- wives and children, right? Something about the idea. Why would they think that 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 uh, their relationship with God would be any different than the, assuming they're good parents, their kids' relationship with them? Mm-hmm. Their kids. Their kids probably don't walk around thinking, I'm not good enough for my dad, unless there's something very unhealthy with the dad. I don't think there's anything unhealthy with God. And I never think that, oh, I'm not good enough uh, to ever please him. I will never measure up. I, I understood that I don't measure up to the creator of the cosmos from the from the start. So now I don't have to worry about it, right? I also recognize that, yes, I am going to, I understand that I'm going to continue to sin, but I have forgiveness in Jesus. So I don't worry about how that makes me feel. I don't. I already know that. So I don't. I don't understand. Well, could that just me, be that you're made up different? People, I'm made up different like that because I was. I understand the theological implications that yes, I sh- if I fall into sin, I need to repent. But it's not like I'm trying to. You don't get ate up about it every day. No, and and that comes from a balance in, in doctrine. So maybe the Calvinists. Uh, churches were out of balance with that, and they just drilled too deep down in worm theology, right? So but see, they, that's the thing. Like, call. like Link certainly got that, but Rhett responds defending the Gospel Coalition book or, or whoever together for the I don't know, and says no, 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 because if I was still a Christian, that taming the tongue stuff, like I would need that. I would look at that and be like, oh shoot, no, I don't so, want to so, read that. So Chris yeah. Date and uh, Robert. Ely, these guys, these Calvinists mm-hmm. that I know, you know, uh, that's kind of in our free. Mm-hmm. I don't get that impression from them. They're, they're, they're just walking around feeling bad about themselves 100% of the time because they can never measure up to being. It's what, not about Calvinists. Yeah. I do no, agree no. with you that Calvinism and Augustinian understandings can, about this. can drill too far down yes, in yes, theology, I, but that's not all of them. That's what I'm saying right. with, with people like Chris. Day I think it might just be a, a thing that yeah. certain types of people, the way they're wired up, you know, the way they think. Might they might just sure be more, you and I had a friend yeah. that 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 thought that maybe she she had lost her salvation because she kept thinking that she was never mm-hmm. good enough enough and that's just bad teaching in the church I think so yeah it's not just Calvinist but you brought up Calvinism well I just brought and, up because and they, I was just bringing up the fact that yeah there's a lot of yeah. worm theology that they drilled and then and, yeah but and but, I, but we I know did. we've known non Calvinists that had similar experiences right. to the point that. Because they don't have an eternal security view, it's like, oh, I probably 
you know, because I'm, I'm not behaving myself in the way that I think that I should. I'm just a constant disappointment to God. Yeah, no, I, I agree with yeah, that, you. I, yeah, I, I, that's just bad teaching in the church. Yeah, I just think, uh, but, but like there's two things that really do kind of break my heart, and that is, and it, and it just goes with the terrain, really, is if the things, you know, like it's like uh, Mike Lacona, have you ever heard him talk about this? I, I'll say it for the audience if you haven't, but he talks about how like, if you set up a uh, piece of subflooring, do you know what that looks like, Pritchett? Subflooring? It's like what goes under your carpet. Yeah. And it's just a big piece of wood that's flat and thin. Yes. Okay. It's plywood. Yeah, plywood. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Piece of subflooring like that. If you put that like across a chasm that is six inches deep, mm -hmm. like we did it right in here. We put a couple of bricks, bricks over there, put the subflooring across. And I said, all right, Pritchett. Walk across that. Are you confident you can do it? And you're going to be like, um, are you stupid? Like, I don't, of course I can walk across. I could walk across a two by four. Yes, I could walk across. Like, great. That's great. Now let's go to two buildings that are, as close, that are very close together, the width of a piece of subflooring, but are as tall as the Twin Towers, let's say. Okay. I don't know if mentioning the Twin Towers gets me banned on YouTube or gets me demonetized, but but um, but let's say you put that across there. Now I say, Pritchett, I would like, like you to walk across that. Nope. <laughs> what changed? I'm afraid of heights. What's at stake changed, right? Yeah. If it, Of course you're not going to fall. Like, And we're not imagining it's going to break in the middle, okay? Be, let's say there's two yeah, by fours there. It's all structured solid. up. Yeah, I'm still not yeah. doing it. And the reason is because... I don't parachute out of airplanes Right, either. and the reason is because... I'm of the one guy to shoot fails for. Did you go? Did you have less... Con did, I mean, you shouldn't have less confidence in, in general in that you can walk yeah, across yeah. that. But now what's changed? I still know how state? to walk. The wood is going to be sturdy enough. Mm -hmm. It's supported underneath. I this this is how I'm you know it's it. an emotional doubt, right? It's an emotional doubt. Yeah. Because you know you that nothing changed about the facts. It's just what's at stake changed, so it made you more. Here's the thing: when it comes to Christianity, fear about losing your salvation, or or what if I'm not really saved, or all these kind of things, are are hyped up by what's at stake, especially on an eternal conscious torment understanding of the nature of hell. But even without that, it's just, it's just, it's the, the stakes are so high that people obsess over this. And I understand how you could really have like a religious form of OCD that is legitimate, um, despite how people may or may not politicize that in the days to come. That is a legitimate real thing that even even Christians who understood would be like, yeah, that's that's not cool. Yeah, this you... is yeah, and and for for our academically minded people out here in our audience, because our audience, I mean, I don't I, I can't speak for Cameron's audience if he's still here, but I know that our audience is at a certain level. So if you're in our audience at that certain academic level, there's um a this might interest you. The uh Christopher Stendhal's um uh, Paul and the introspective consciousness of the West. It's a, it's one of those. Um, Isn't that one of the journal articles that kicked off prior to you know the whole new perspective thing? But anyway, he talks about Paul's robust conscience, right? Like when Paul talks about his former self and and, and stuff, um, he could just as easily give his you know bona fides as he could talk about being the chief of sinners, it's not like he sat around saddled with what we would call guilt about it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and even when he talks about himself in the present and, it, and, it's, and it's sinful behavior, it, it's not like, 
it's not like they were just he was just so broken and ate up over every bad thing that he ever did. It's just they just get on with it. And that's very interesting. I wouldn't be either and maybe like I think I would be naturally. I would be ate up about it. The difference is if I was Paul and Jesus himself had appeared to me and spent time with me and maybe told me, yeah, it's fine, I forgive you. No, that, that that's <laughs> but that's not the point of it. The point of it is the the in, in ancient collectivist culture is just this idea of this, you know, internal running dialogue of introspection and just wallowing in guilt as opposed to shame culture. It's like once you once you're done with it, you're done with it. And I think I think that that is foreign to Western individualists and guilt cultures, but it can also I think if you read those kinds of texts with that with that understanding of that ancient mindset recovering a little bit of that would be good for people not to become not to become indifferent towards your mistakes or whatever but to be able to frame them appropriately in your mind without letting it bog you down you know um that i think that would be very helpful for a lot of people who are like you and would be torn up by that well derek baylor says do you think shia's testimony here about reading scripture refutes the common calvinist idea that scripture is incomprehensible to the unregenerate um well i don't know about refute because what the calvinists would say is no that was the means by which regeneration took part and he regenerated him whenever he regenerated right um but yeah that I don't know a lot of Calvinists that continue to make that argument that the Bible, but there are a lot of presuppositionalists that have said things like that publicly, like the, the, the words of scripture is just incomprehensible gibberishness, hanging that on something that Paul was talking about in the context of, yeah, these babes in Christ in chapter three are no different than those people I talked about in the flesh in chapter two. Mm-hmm. And then they say just the whole Bible is just, they can understand all kinds of things except for anything that has to do with Christianity. Yeah, that's absolute nonsense, and there's no Bible verse to hang that on. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that that this would refute that in the mind of a Calvinist. So they'd be like, no. You just have to point out that it's just a stupid thing that they say anyway. <laughs> but, hey, but, Pritchett, guess what? But thank you for the super chat. Uh-oh, clean up an aisle everywhere. <laughs> MJ Jackson is in the chat. Yes. Grace and peace. Thank you, MJ. Yes, thank you, MJ. I was communicating with MJ you. privately yesterday. to the recently. Urban Christian Institute. Yes, do that. Do that. It's his YouTube channel. But I with think haste. it's just now. Post haste. You could just, uh, MJ Jackson. Yeah, that. We'll, we'll that, find it. Yeah. Or, you, yeah, MJ Jackson. Well, I'll tell you what, Pritchett, this has been a blast. Do you it have is, anything but we cannot go say? unless I, I have one thing to address, and you can sit out of this because it has nothing to do with you. But it has to do with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Absolutely not. It has to do with a comment that Trevor Jones made, or Trevor Adams made. I think it was Trevor Adams made. About, well, hold on now. About he would like to see me do more Olympic-style power lifts and stuff because that'll add mu- muscle tissue and use a barbell. Well, I do those kinds of lifts. With If you've ever watched my channel, I do do cleans and presses and jerks and stuff like that with sandbags and my Surge 60 and my um, Hydro Balls. Mm-hmm. I do those kinds of exercises. But powerlifting exercises. Why do people listen, treat listen you to so me. badly? Powerlifting exercises will not pack on muscle. They That's won't. not the point of them. Idiots to believe that. It's not because I mean, you know, you can build a lot of muscle with compound movements, and yes, those of are course. compound movements. Yeah. But they are multiple compound movements in the same exercise. 
And so you work a lot of muscles, lot. but they're not like they're not like squats and deadlifts and, and, and bench presses. They're not like those kind of compounds. Those things do get you the results. Right. But I mean, if you're just doing multiple movements, you know, powerliftings and uh, type exercises, you're not concentrating Trading enough on, on, on one, one single, single muscle, muscle group, group. See? to actually I, We know about this stuff to, because we're muscle building guys. Right. They're horrible for hypertrophy training. It just, I, no. So yes, I do do those exercises for strength, but I don't do power and I don't use a barbell, but I did get me a barbell. So you'll be happy to know that. I, watch, tune into my channel Monday. You'll see a barbell. But no, I think that, I think that they're horrible for muscle building. I think that they're great for strength. I don't think that they're great for building muscle tissue. Hey, Pritchett, do you like the new perspective on Paul? Yeah, and so Good. far Answer as they that agree question. with me. How do we know when imputation or imparted righteousness is in view? Uh, well, when you consider that neither one of those are ever in view, that's how you know that if imputation and infusion or imparted, whatever, it's just a... Luther had it right from the beginning when he, if he would have just started to stop with it's a declaration. For those that don't know, um, several decades ago in the middle of the 20th century, there was a move. There was a movement called the New Perspective on Paul that began, and what it you got to listen to what I'm saying. So you tell me if I say this wrong. Um, but uh, look, we can change the name. Everyone's of the looking for an I word. Vanity. Let stop. Stop. Vanity Radio. Anyway, right. um, Every, hold on. Let me let me get this out though. Okay, before I gotta you, explain what it is. That. Yeah, everyone's looking for an I word, whether it's infused righteousness if you're Catholic, if it's imputed righteousness if you're classically reformed, or imparted righteousness, or if you're if you're um, Kevin Van Hooser, it's incorporated righteousness. Everyone's looking for the right I word to put in front. Oh, I put the wrong comment up. Hold on. Go on, keep talking. This nice. is me interacting yes. intimately with my audience. You just keep doing what you're doing. Justification is a declaration of a verdict. You're in the right. You don't have to go further than that. There's no reason to go further than that. Now, that doesn't um, mean that there isn't a, an actual... I mean, and then when you get into, well, is it an alien righteousness? Or does it... I, I think... Um, ah, I can't remember his name. Was his uh, name wrote, Gospel to the Greek channel? Daryl Bach. Daryl Bach actually makes a good point. You... Don't have to smuggle in everything you want from sanctification into justification. He says that to all the new perspective people, says that to all the classically reformed people, and I think he's on to something there. You don't need to smuggle all this transformative righteousness, being actually righteous or imputed. Jesus' righteousness is credited to you. You don't really have one. God just believes a legal fiction. You, you don't need any of that. And you don't need to drag as much sanctification into justification. Let sanctification be sanctification. Let justification be the declaration that you're in the right. Did you end up explaining what it was where normal people can understand? Yeah, people know. Okay, great. Now, you go ahead. Oh, you want me to do it anyway, just in case no, you No, you go know. ahead and say what you wanted to say. Well, I was just going to explain it, but I stopped paying attention to you and started paying attention to the chat. Did you explain I it? I think I said everything. That Here's the thing. Is related to for the longest time. Imputation, imparted, no, stop, stop. I, oh, I, I, you're I, saying words that they don't. Here, here's the thing. Lots of people in chat do understand all those words, but some people are new to this. So here's the deal. Shia LaBeouf could be listening. And he said he thought that Jesus wasn't a manly man until just well, five he's minutes gonna, ago. If he's Catholic, it's going to be infused righteousness. Right. Well, okay. Maybe not. 
he hasn't come on our show yet. We, yeah, we haven't had our shot to let him spend three weeks at a seminary. I, I think it's only fair that all the religious groups get that shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, um, what was going on with the new perspective on Paul and Pritchie, you got to listen because you got to tell me if I'm wrong is basically that until the 20th century, or, or at least until midway through the 20th century, many people thought in the Western world anyway, that what was going on was that the Jews in the old Testament sacrificial system had a system that amounted to a works-based system in the sense that you, you, you literally worked stuff off. Am I right, Pritchett? Since the reformation where they. Yeah. Yeah. And then ultimately what was changed was, is, is the understanding with the new on this part of it with the new perspective on Paul was the notion that it's, no, it was all, it was, it was always like it is now. It was always that you're, it was always about faith and the keeping of the law was, a sim- am I saying this right? A performative about, uh, act sal- of obedience to God. Salvation was by grace. It's uh-huh. just, uh, the, this the, was the way of demonstrating a that A lot you- of new perspective ho- advocates hopped on uh, the Sanders uh, covenantal gnomism where, where it was by grace that you are in, but it was your, your faithfulness, you, you know, your behavior in accordance to whatever God's expectations were kept you in. Yeah, it was like maintaining your salvation, so to speak. Okay, and so, but the idea was what changed with Jesus? Well, for Sanders, it was, uh, the only thing that changed with Jesus was it was Jesus. But as far, but but he believed that covenantal nominism remained the same. But then, so the idea is that salvation by grace is still the case all the way back. But then, you stay in by. Being obedient to the law, and the other part of that is Paul, is is or is the other part of Paul is is what's the other side of new perspective on Paul like besides the traditional that traditional reform position is no, um, no unimparted and imputed righteousness. Like imputed righteousness is the idea um, where God pretends that you're Jesus and that the righteousness that Jesus put in his righteousness bag gets gets wrapped around you so you're walking around with Jesus's righteousness bag bank account right his money bags um, and so you were justified by works of the law but they were Jesus's works of the law not yours mm-hmm. and the new perspective that that was that that was a dig at changed the, the that thing. was a dig at the reform they don't well, believe it was very that clear just, that you were digging it's right. not cl- it's never confusing which position you I'm just saying I'm just saying the the impu- the imputation the idea that that Jesus racked up a lot of credit uh in in his works account now and then then God but, pretends that his credit is your credit but, here, but here's a caution because there are pastors that listen yeah. to this our youth pastor i want this to be well, said and i'm saying the net result of that is justification by works of the law just jesus's works not yours but no one's justified by the works of the law so th- i have a problem with uh the imputation idea I okay think but I, th- I, I, that's a good yeah. enough simple explanation but the, the point is that uh you need to know that pastoral commentaries from the last half of the 20th century right up until today may not even talk about this what you you know hopefully more scholarly like critical commentaries and stuff will but um but a lot of pastoral commentaries just won't and so it's good to know that okay um i wanted to say the gospel to the greek thank you because this this idea 
so so but I, did no we hold about, on a second did we ever talk about the no, idea wait a of, minute i'm talking about one of our fans i know but i don't think because i i don't think we ever address what in part of righteousness is i guess they're talking about the methodist thing where at the moment of justification you receive all that is necessary for you to live a sanctified sanctified mm-hmm. life and so you'll get no commentary from me i'm waiting for you to i don't now i'm not familiar with the whole of the entire sanctification thing and then i know if our new testament the theologist was here mm-hmm. he could probably go into that more because mm-hmm. he's uh he's in that wesleyan tradition but i don't think that that's quite right either <laughs> so yeah this is real else? simple any other thoughts? When you're declared righteous, you're righteous. And then there were. when you when it says to behave righteously or mm-hmm. to do to use the members of your bodies as weapons for righteousness, yeah. as Paul says, or whatever, yeah. that's act in accordance with who you are in Christ. Yeah. All that means. Yeah. Now you sure in grace God gives you the capacity to, to do that. Yeah. But I think that sanctification is progressive. Um I mean, all that was brilliant. That's never in question. Okay. Gospel to the Greek is one of the channels, one of the Christian channels that did a response to our seven questions for Christian YouTubers. And so I really wanted to highlight gospel to the Greek and thank you for showing up. Appreciate it. And with that, how dare I interrupt that? Well, I'm saying I apologize, but now I'm thinking of like the get them to the Greek, (laughs) like a a bad, well, you want to get the gospel to the Greek. Yeah. There you go. Next time you get him to the Greek, think of gospel to the Greek. And then you'll be thinking of something more spiritual than uh, Russell Brandt and Jonah Hill. All right. This has been fun. And how about this, folks? As a special treat today, just because we have it on tap, we might as well give a free round of Shia LaBeouf intro uh, motivational thoughts for the outro music while you all still make comments. Thank you all so much for being here today. And listen, Pritchett, any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, regardless of what view you hold on either justification or geek, sanctification. Geek, not the geek, the Greek. Yeah, the Greek. Now you got to, to interrupt Pritchett. Oh, but it's geek. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, sorry about that. Gospel to the geek. See, I have a channel with geek in the title, too. It's called Theology yeah. Geek Fitness. I primed many you to people say it wrong. Need it was to, my fault. Many people... Yes, you did. Many people need to avail themselves of that channel, including the one that's sitting across from me now. Uh, anyway, regardless of your view of justification, whether it's infused, imparted, um, incorporated, whatever, I want you to know this very important thing. I don't care what you believe about justification. Oh. If you believe in Jesus, you're justified by faith. Oh. So... Whatever your view is, I just want you to know, if you're thinking about you want to argue with me or try to convince me of your position, I don't care what you believe about it because, you know, In 2017, I was in Palestinian-controlled Bethlehem Mm -hmm. having a conversation with one William Lane Craig privately because we were bored with what everyone else was doing. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Craig said to me a sentence that in my youth I would have never thought would bring me joy but somehow in this moment thoroughly delighted me Braxton I think we should talk more about the new perspective on Paul and why you think what you do and I knew that I could not tread in these waters with Dr. Craig 
I knew that I wasn't 100% sure what I thought about the new perspective on Paul, but I was not about to turn down this opportunity. Right. And so I told him what I told you, which is I've spent hours listening to a friend talk about this with me and explain why I'm wrong. I've read a couple of books on it. In addition to the mountain of theology I've read that touches on this, but doesn't mention the new perspective. So I know the terrain. And Dr. Craig, it really just seems to me like what we're doing here is a difference in the types of analogies we use, like the bank account analogy versus whatever else. And he said what you would have agreed with. The only thing he would have said that you would have agreed with in this conversation, he said, oh, Braxton, I just think that's so wrong. And you agree, don't you? I do. But you know what I would have said to Dr. Craig? What? Not only do I not care what you believe about this, I don't even think much about what I believe about it because I don't care. We're both going to go to heaven. Find someone else to argue about this for all eternity because I'm not your guy. Pritchett. I love you so much. Yes. And I'll see you next time along with everyone else on Trinity Radio. That was a fun show. Thank you, Tim the Ace. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Love your Twitter account. Yesterday, you Very said tomorrow. So just do it. I will. Make your dreams come true. I'm gonna do it. Just do it. Some people dream of success while you're going to wake up and work hard at it. Nothing is impossible. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there. No, what are you waiting for? Do it! Just do it! Yes, you can! Just do it! If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. Stop giving up.